0: Well, I'm thankful for the Lord tonight that he's given me an opportunity to minister to God's people. Always an honor to stand before God's anointed and to be able to uh, minister in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you tonight for divine grace and for your Holy Spirit. Father, you said that Out of our belly would flow rivers of living water. That's our portion. And tonight, Lord, we just receive fresh and anew from you. We drink from your cup and we eat from your table tonight. And, Father, I pray that, above all, Jesus Christ would be revealed and you would be glorified by way of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen and amen. Tonight's lesson is called The Basics of Bible Faith. The Basics of Bible Faith. I was listening to Marilyn teach a couple of weeks ago, and this uh, her lesson kind of triggered this teaching. It came up in my spirit while she was teaching on faith, and I just felt like uh, the Lord wanted me to share some things about Bible faith tonight. You know, Bible faith is faith in the Word of God. It's a faith uh, in the written Word of God. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to have faith in what He says. I want you to get this in your spirit tonight. Um, This is not in my notes, not in my scriptures that I gave uh, Teresa the other night, but Second Corinthians 10 and 3 and 4, the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, every stronghold that Satan has constructed can be pulled down by using Bible faith. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what, what that stronghold may be. Maybe you got a stronghold tonight. God sent me to tell you tonight that that stronghold can be pulled down and broken and destroyed by Bible faith, a a belief in what God says concerning your victory over that thing. 1 John chapter 5 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith in the word of God. Doesn't matter what the devil tries or what's coming against you in the world. The Bible says faith in God can overcome that thing. And so that's what we want to talk about. We want to focus on Bible faith tonight and the reality of the deliverance of God by way of His Word. When you make a decision that you're going to stand on the Word of God, you can be sure that you're standing on something solid. Hallelujah. You're standing on the written Word of God, the the very Word that came out of God's mouth, and you don't have to worry about a thing That word's going to bring you through. I want to start in the book of Isaiah chapter 51. God speaking through Isaiah. And he says, Hearken unto me, you that follow after righteousness, you that seek the Lord. I know I'm talking to the right crowd because on Wednesday night, Those of you who will come out on Wednesday night, you are seeking the Lord. You have a desire for God's best in your life. You have a desire to fulfill God's call upon your life. Then The Bible goes on to say, You that seek the Lord unto the rock whence you are you. The rock is the word of God. We need to get back to basics, to Bible basics to the basics of Bible faith. We don't need to stray away from that. Bible faith is what got us where we are today. Those of us who have been walking with the Lord for a while and the victories that we've had in the past, the reason that you got a victory was because of Bible faith. Because of the things, the foundational things that you've learned over the years concerning the Word of God, don't stray from the Word of God. Don't don't make this thing more complicated than it is. I'm reminded of uh, some of y'all probably remember him. Some of us older saints we remember R.W. Shambach. Y'all remember him? He said he used to say, "You don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God," and that's so true. All we have to do is don't make this more complicated than it is. Just believe and trust in this written word. It'll never fail. Amen. Amen. So he says, Look unto the rock whence you are hewed, and to the hole of the pit whence you were digged. Now verse 2 is why I want to I focus on verse 2 for a minute, because it's very important in our teaching. It goes on to say, Look unto Abraham your father. And the Sarah that bear you. For I have called him alone. And blessed. And increased him. Says look under Abraham and Sarah. They had a simple faith. They heard the promise. Believed it. And because of that. They were blessed. And increased. How many of y'all want to be blessed. And increased. When you begin to use the Word of God, our Bible faith, you can be sure that blessing and increase is going to be your portion. Abraham is our example on how to believe God, on how to stand on the Word of God. And if we use the same type of faith that Abraham exhibited, you can get the same type of results that Abraham got because we're standing on the same word that he's standing on that he stood on. God still is a God of sudden supernatural turnaround. Maybe some of y'all need a supernatural turnaround. This word, God's word can bring that for you. He still delights in transforming pain into pleasure. Wilderness into green pastures. This is the God that we serve. But What we have to do, though, is we have to be those who have made a decision that we're going to trust in the Word of God and trust in the Word of God only for our deliverance. A lot of times we get caught up in this this world that we're living in now. We get caught up in different things and different concepts. But it's faith in the Word of God that's going to take us to that level that we want to be in in Christ, that next level. Now, ask the question, why did Abraham's faith work so effectively? Well, that answer is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 18. And I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Why did Abraham's faith work so effectively? Since he's the one that we're supposed to imitate, we need to know that. And this is what the Word of God says out of the New Living Translation. I have singled him out, So that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. The reason that Abraham's faith worked so effectively is because his heart was right before God. Amen. His faith worked because his heart was right. He wasn't perfect. But he put God first, and God knew that he could trust him. Now that's a very important, important ingredient where Bible faith is concerned. Obedience to the principles of the Word of God and the things that God tells us to do is very important if we want to experience the blessing that Abraham experienced. Bible faith requires obedience. Somebody say obedience. That's not a bad word. That's a good word. The Bible says in the book of Job, if they they obey and serve him, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures, if we obey and serve. So there's uh, there's an obedience that the child of God must adhere to in terms of uh, us living good lives, righteous lives. Didn't say we were perfect, but God does expect us to obey Him in the areas that He wants us to. So that's important. We can't throw away obedience and think, well, you know, I can just kind of live any kind of... You can't live an old raggedy Christian life and expect the blessings of God to overtake you. Let's just get that out of the way right now. We're going to have to live right and live in love and walk in love. Amen? Okay, now let's go back to Isaiah 53, I mean 51 and verse 3. And we'll really get into this. So we've kind of done the preliminaries. We've got to live right. We've got to obey God. But when we do, we should and expect God's very best in our lives. Let's look at verse uh, 3 of that same chapter, 51. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. Again, Zion Is the church. That's you and I. That's Old Testament for the New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. We can expect God to comfort us. We should expect God to comfort us, the Bible says. He will comfort all her waste places. The waste places are those destitute places in our life. Those deficiencies that we have. God says he'll comfort those. He'll satisfy those. He'll take those deficiencies away. He'll strengthen us where we're weak. One of the deficiencies I see in the body of Christ today is uh, finances. A lot of times we're, we're, we're struggling in finance. That ought not be so. When we understand the Word of God, when we understand Bible faith, we understand that we are blessed and cannot be cursed. So the deficiencies, God says he wants to remove all deficiencies in all those areas, those broken areas of our life uh, that's in the church. He wants to remove those things. He will make her wilderness, talking about you and I, like Eden. That's talking about the Garden of Eden. A lot of times uh, we limit God because we don't expect the blessings of God to manifest in our lives. We really, we hear about the blessings of God, but we think that that's just for the super Christian. But God wants to bless every child of God with supernatural blessings. Garden of Eden type blessings. But you have to believe the word, stand on the word, and trust the word, even when you're going through seasons of difficulty. Okay. The the enemy wants us to always believe that if we're in a season of difficulty, we're going to stay there. But that's a lie. God has anointed us to come out of those things to that blessed place, to that place of divine victory. So if you're going through a season right now of dryness, a season where it doesn't look like anything's working for you, do do not despair. Your day of victory is coming as long as you rely on Bible faith. Amen. God will make her her wilderness, the ordinary life. That's what I call uh, the wilderness. It's the ordinary life. I'm saved, but I'm living an ordinary life. I'm saved, but I'm not living and experiencing the new creature reality that the Bible talks about. I'm saved, but I'm not experiencing Holy Ghost power. The Bible says God wants to deliver us from that into the blessings of Eden. And, and by the way, everything that I'm talking about tonight, this is God's idea. This is not something I'm making up. This is God's idea. But faith is the connector to supernatural grace. I mean you got to believe these things in order for these things to be made manifest in your life. You got to believe what God says even though it doesn't make sense to your natural mind. Even though it doesn't look like it's possible in your generation for you to be blessed this way. You got to believe that if God said it, you can trust it, you can believe for it. Amen. So when I when I when I when I make my offering confession, when we make that offering confession, you need to believe that offering confession. You need to trust That God is going to turn your situation around. As you speak the word of God over your seed, that God's going to multiply that seed sown. And you're going to come up to that next level of blessing. That is your portion. That is part of your inheritance. To be blessed in this earth with the blessings of, of, of Abraham. Amen. Now, here comes the good part. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Somebody say, if I obey him, I will walk in the blessings. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18. Now, these promises were made to Old Testament Israel. But those same promises are made to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because we are New Testament Israel. Amen? Amen. All of these blessings are in the Old Covenant are ours also. But they are amplified for us. I mean, we're supposed to be walking in them way in a, in a greater measure than Israel walked in them. And a lot of times, we, you don't see Israel walking in the fullness of them Because of their disobedience. Because they would not fully follow the Lord the way God wanted them to. But that does not mean that God didn't intend to do these things for them. So when you read these things, believe that these things are possible for you. If you'll believe and and obey God in the areas that God wants us to. Therefore, shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hands, that they may be be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in that house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house and upon thy gates. Now, these are people that are committed to the Word of God. These, that's, that's describing people who are committed to the Word of God. They've made the Word of God first place in their lives. These are people who worship God because they believe what He says. These are awesome promises these are things that we have to do in terms of the meditation of the Word of God, studying the Word of God, trusting in the Word of God during our study time, allowing God to reveal to us the necessity of His Word. And that's what these people are doing. They, they're, 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 they're storing the Word of God in their hearts in verse 18, they're teaching the Word of God to their children. When they they lay down, they got the Word of God on their mind. When they rise up in the morning, they got the Word of God on their mind. These are people who are committed to the Word of God. If you commit to the Word of God, God says there are things that He will do in your life that are supernatural. The next verse is going, going to talk about some of that. Verse 21. That your days may be multiplied. There ought not be any Christians who live short lives. I mean, that's just, that that was God's promise to Israel, that they would live long, satisfied lives. That's your portion, that's my portion in Christ. That your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them. Now get this. Has days of heaven upon earth. You can't beat that. Has days upon, has heaven upon earth. In other words, the blessings of heaven, God intends for his covenant people to experience them here on earth. Now whether or not we experience them or not, that's another thing. But the will of God is that his covenant people experience Eden-type blessings in their lives right here on this earth. One thing I've find out about God, years I've been walking with Him. God is not holding anything back. He really isn't. The only thing God withholds is He doesn't. He don't want nobody to glory. He doesn't want us to try to walk in His glory. That's it. Everything else, <laughs> He wants us to experience it. There are unlimited blessings in the covenants of God. But we have to be those who make a quality decision to believe what the Word says and not what religious people think or traditional people think. we got to become people who, like I said in the beginning, it's not complicated. Heaven on earth is your portion if you'll believe it. If you'll not let the devil and, pe- and religious people talk you out of it. Christ has redeemed us. From the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. The Bible says, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentile, that's you and I, through faith in this word, through faith in him. So even blessings, supernatural increase, in every area of your life, not just in money, but in every area of your life, that's our portion. But we got to believe for it. we got to contend for it we got an enemy who will try to stop us from experiencing it. That's his job. But my Bible says if I resist him in the faith, he'll flee. Either God's telling the truth or he's not. I believe that when the enemy comes to try to encroach upon the blessings of God in our lives, that God's trying to uh, get to us, if we'll simply stand on the Word, rebuke him, he'll have to Go. But here's the thing: you got to be serious about this thing. You got to let the devil know that you know what belongs to you, and then he'll flee. You know, just just talking about healing. I was experiencing, and this happens a lot with me. I was experiencing uh, uh, some some symptoms in my body, and I was like, man, and it it had been going on for like a half a day, nagging. I was like, you know what? Devil, get out of my body in the name of Jesus. Nothing not think nothing else of it. But I thought later on in the day, that thing was gone. You know what I mean? It's, it's really as simple as that. Just taking authority in the areas that we need to take authority in. That's our portion. And that's what God is saying here, that these things don't, they don't drop out of heaven like white cherries. We have to contend for these things. And make a decision that if God says this about me, I'm going to experience it in my generation. Because he wants me to. Hallelujah. And stop hanging around folk who don't believe it. Stop hanging around folk who are dragging your faith down. Who can't, who, they, they're good people, but they're dragging your faith down because they don't believe in the supernatural. That's our portion. We're supposed to flow in the supernatural. Glory to God. So heaven on earth is our portion because the Bible says so. Bible faith is required to experience this type of deliverance. Audacity is the element that is missing in the church. And I'm going to give you a definition of what I found what uh, what audacity means. It's a willingness to take bold risks a disregard for conventional thought and a willingness to step out. In other words, if God says something, I'm just going to be crazy enough to believe what God says. And I don't care what you say about it. I don't care what you think about it. I'm going to stand on the Word of God because I know God's faithful. So audacity is something that, 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 that you have to have if you're going to really step out into the, in the God's best, into his very best, and experience your God-given destiny. And if you've been walking with God long enough, and you've been serious enough with God long enough, God has spoken destiny into your life. He's spoken some things to you. It may just have been a running thought and you say, man, that's not possible. That was God saying, I can do the impossible through you if you'll let me. But you have to have that, like I said, the audacity to believe that you can do what God says you can do. I'll give you an example of that in Matthew chapter 14. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 14. Verse 26. Six, I believe. the Bible says and when the disciples saw him talking about Jesus walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear <laughs> and straightway Jesus spake unto them saying be of a good cheer it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me or allow me to come unto the water. Now, stop there for a minute. See this in the theater of your mind. Jesus doing the impossible. He's walking on water. The disciples are witnessing it. They're amazed and they're troubled all at the same time because they ain't never seen nobody walk on water. We've been the same way, right? But Peter says, Lord, if it's you, allow me to come. Now, the religious mind would say, how dare you ask God to do something like that? Only Jesus The Son of God is allowed to walk on the water like that. The religious mind thinks like that, right? He's the Son of God. Surely he can walk on the water. But that's not possible for you. You're just an ordinary man. That's not what Jesus says. He says to that request, come. Come experience the supernatural. Come experience your portion." Because, by the way, that is the portion of the child of God. We may not think that way, but it's it's our portion. The supernatural blessings of Abraham are our portion. So what Jesus did, Peter could do. Because Jesus said he could. That's all we need is God's permission, right? If God says we can do a thing, we can do a thing. So he says, come. And the Bible says, Peter... Begin to walk on water, man. He began to de- defy the natural. And the only reason that he began to sink was because he began to consider the natural circumstances around him. He could have walked all the way to Jesus. And he got close to Jesus and Je- the Bible says Jesus caught him. And Jesus said, why didn't you believe me? I mean, you was, do- you was experiencing the supernatural. God's saying that to us tonight. Why won't you believe me for the supernatural? I got things I want you. The Bible says, the, the works that I do, shall you do also. We don't hear that a lot no more. You know that? The works that I do, shall you do also. And greater works shall you do, because I've gone to the Father. That's what, that's what the, the head of the church said That I didn't make that up. He's seated, he's enthroned at the right hand of God right now. Not for himself, for you and I. The reason he's seated there is because he represents mankind there. And we can experience everything that the new covenant says we can experience because he's ascended, hallelujah. If God says it, we got to believe it. So, Jesus didn't rebuke Peter. He said, come. That's what he's saying to you tonight. Those dreams, those visions, those those supernatural things that God has been dropping in your heart and the devil's been telling you it's impossible for you to do that because you're a woman, because you're of your age, because, you know, you don't have the education. The devil is a liar. You can do anything that God anoints you to do. The Bible says that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We got to start believing these things. Now let's go to Romans chapter 4. I'm going to look at Abraham a little bit. And I love teaching on faith. I really do. Bible faith. Romans chapter 4. Because when when we're walking in Bible faith, nothing shall be impossible. Therefore, it is of faith That it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Somebody say, I'm one of those seeds. To all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So the Bible says, if I use the same kind of faith that Abraham used, I should expect the same type of results that Abraham had. God means for us to imitate Abraham's faith. He gives us permission. Listen to me now. He gives us permission to imitate Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith believes for things that he does not deserve. you got to get this point home. None of these blessings that the Bible talks about, we deserve. (laughs) We receive them by faith and grace. So, when God says something that seems impossible to your natural mind, don't let your carnal mind take over. Understand that we don't deserve these things, but Jesus does. And we're in Christ. So all these blessings that we're talking about tonight, we can receive them because Jesus received them. And everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us. Oh, we need to get that in our heart tonight. Somebody need to get that. The the scripture says we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That simply means that everything that belongs to Christ belongs to you. But what, what we have to do, we have to claim them. We cannot let our natural minds talk us out of what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. So the Bible says that Abraham is the father of us all. We can imitate his faith. And when we do that, it triggers God's very best in our lives. We can experience that. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Look at an instance uh, with Abraham here. Genesis 15, verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad, talking about God. And he said to Abraham, look now toward the heaven and count the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall your seed be. Now he's talking to a man who has never had a child. He's an elderly man, and he's, him and his wife have never conceived. But God begins to speak to him and says, Look, look at all these stars. You can't, you, you can't even count them, Abraham. But that's how many descendants you're going to have. He's talking to a man who is deficient in this area. But he's understand. God understands, that because he's the supernatural God of the universe, he can do the impossible in Abraham's life. All he has to do is to get Abraham to believe it. Next verse. He says, r- verse 5 again, So shall your seed be. And the Bible says in verse 6, And he believed in the Lord. So he believed what God told him. He simply believed that that promise. That his seed would be as the stars of heaven. And the Bible says, and God counted it unto him for righteousness. He said, man, if you were, since, since you believe me, Abraham, since you believe this, this, this great promise, I'm going to consider you righteous. I'm going to bestow upon you my very own righteousness. That's what God's done for us, by the way. The scripture says that we are now made, been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That same, the same righteousness that God himself experiences, listen to me now, you and I have been made that way. We can, we have, we can experience that our portion. And you know why? Simply because we believe in Jesus Christ. That's why we have poor access to these impossible things. Because we simply have made Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives We've accepted him. He's made us new creatures in Christ Jesus. And now we can experience supernatural breakthrough in every area of our lives if we'll believe for it. He counted he believed in the Lord and he counted it unto him for righteousness. And verse 7 says, And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give this to give thee this land to inherit it. Now that's supernatural covenant increase. That's big time covenant talk. That's Garden of Eden type of talk. God is telling Abraham, look, I'm going to use you to bless the whole world. I'm going to use you, a, a, a former moon worshiper of the moon. I'm going to use you to be the one who perpetuates the blessing of God through the, throughout the earth. Now when God begins to speak to us along those type of uh, terms, we don't need to shut it off and say, well, that can't be God talking to me. That's exactly what, what God will talk. When he begins to talk covenant talk, he talks big. He talks Normancy. He wants you and I to experience him. He wants you and I to experience our destiny through his word. But what we have to do is we have to believe like Abraham believed. Abraham said, man, I believe it, God. If you said it, I believe it. I believe you can do that. I know I don't have any children. I know my body is, is, is now dead, but I believe that you can work through me. That's how you have to believe, that God can work through you. Amen. Let's go back to Romans chapter 4 again. I know I'm not going to get to finish all this, but that's okay. Everything that we get is what God wants us to get tonight. Verse 19 of chapter 4. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Weak faith loses heart when it considers the natural facts. I'm going to say that again. You can tell when your faith is weak is because you begin to consider the natural facts. Like I say, you may not have no college degree. You may not have this or that. You may, may not have a husband to support you. But don't think that God can't bless your life in this way. Don't consider the natural facts. Only consider the promise. Stand on the promise. If God spoke it, embrace it. Bible faith simply trusts in, in the written word of God. Let's look at verse 20. And this is a problem with a lot of, time, a lot of times that we have in verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God. A lot of times, like I say, when we hear teachings like this, we begin to stagger. Man, I know, I know the Bible says that, but I've been, I've been a Christian for 15 years. I haven't seen a supernatural move in my life. Well, your time is coming. Your time is coming. All you have to do is begin to believe these promises and embrace these promises and say that if God can do it through Abraham, he can do it through me. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So Abraham believed that he could be the heir of the whole world. And he he was. He is the heir of the whole world. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. And I'm getting ready to close. Eighteen and seven. Oh, Luke, Luke chapter 18. I believe I got the wrong scripture. Yeah, 18. Uh, it must have been Matthew. I'm sorry. Let's look at Matthew. I tell you what, let's let's go to John chapter eight. John chapter eight. Thank you, Lord. Verse thirty-two. Now Jesus says he he says here you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, the truth is God's covenant word. An understanding of it can cause you to experience freedom in any area that you need deliverance in. An understanding of Bible truth Or and 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 having faith in this in this word can cause you to experience freedom in any area that you need deliverance in. Jesus said, But you gotta know the truth. You gotta study the truth. And that truth is enough to set anyone free who will believe it. Let's look at verse thirty three. And they answered him, We be Abraham's seed. And were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou? You shall be made free. Now, notice who's talking. This is Israel talking to Jesus. They're saying, we ain't never been in bondage. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Well, you know what? They're in darkness because they are in bondage. Deuteronomy, what we were talking about earlier, God's intention for them was to never experience bondage. He wanted them to be the head and not the tail. Above only and never beneath. But when Jesus shows up on the earth, they were certainly in bondage. They were sick. They were broke. They were living under Roman rule. They were in occupied territory. They were not living the best life. And yet they were in darkness where their bondage was concerned. They didn't even much you know they were in bondage for so long. They thought that this was normal. But this was not normal. This should not have been normal for covenant people. Jesus was, he, the Bible says that he go around healing everyone who was sick. He uses God's power to do it. But how many of y'all know that was never their portion? Sickness should have never been their portion. He came to do it. He showed God's mercy. But they should have been an example, listen to me now, they should have been an example to the whole world of what covenant relationship with God should have been like. They should have been freer than anybody. No Roman government should have been uh, uh, dominating them. They should have been dominating the Roman government. Israel should have been always living in victory. The victory that you see, that we read about King David, how how when they were in obedience, when they were having victory after victory over every enemy, that should have been their portion throughout. But here they were, hundreds of years later, living in defeat. Why? Because they had abandoned Bible faith. They had gotten away from Deuteronomy and the promises of it. So now they were experiencing... Defeat, deficiency, sickness and disease, the, the very curse that uh, the Bible said that they should have been uh, delivered from, they were experiencing it. But it was not God's will. And that's the, that's, the, that's the trick of the enemy. He causes us to think that that's normal for the believer. Oh, yeah, you, you know, yeah, well, you're saved and blah, 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 blah. But, you, you know, we shouldn't be experiencing that. That's not our portion. Anytime it tries to invade our lives, we need to stand against it. But a lot of times we'll just kind of settle and, well, you know, who knows what God will do. No, we know what God will do because he said it in the word. We have to get back to the simplicity of the gospel. And that is to believe that no weapon formed against us should ever prosper. Ever. Ever. Now, you, like I say, you may be going through... A tough time right now. You may be in a a faith battle, and we're going to go through faith battles. But our portion at the end of those battles should be victory every single time. Stand to your feet. That's our portion. But we have to agree with God. Now, I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know uh, what battle you may be in tonight. But I'm here to tell you that God has never planned for you to be defeated in that battle. He wants you to win more than you want to win. But we have to get back to trusting in the delivering power of this gospel. Father God, we thank you tonight for your word. And I've tried to bring it forth, Lord God, in the way that you gave it to me. I pray, Lord, that your people here tonight have received the seed of the word. And God, that that seed is going into our spirit tonight. And God, you're causing it. You're causing it to be watered, Lord God, even through this whole week, Lord God. And we will experience, Lord God, as we meditate on your truth, as we meditate on your word all this week concerning the difficulties and the things that we're going through. Because there's an answer in your word for every trial, every difficulty as we embrace what you say about our deliverance, God, by way of your word, Lord God, we will begin to experience supernatural breakthrough in those areas that we we need breakthrough in, whether it be in our body, whether it be in our finances, whether it be in our family. No matter what it is, Lord God, we've been redeemed from that curse. And we claim it tonight. We claim our victory in Christ over all of the the works of the enemy. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And Father, we'll be sure to give you all the glory, all the praise, all of the honor for every manifestation of your spirit in our lives. We'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you.